This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 238. And so I did a lot of research and reading as the best practices. I uh, attended workshops. I read a lot of books on how you do this properly. So I had a lot of book smarts. And, um, and uh, here's another, another thing that I follow by. I do not take advice from someone that has less than me. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Scott Trench, guest host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. How's it going, Brandon? Man, I'm so good. How about you? I am doing great. Just bought another quadplex and cool. uh, got to do a little bit of work on it and get it, get one of the units rented out, but it should be pretty, pretty straightforward. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's funny, kind, of, kind of fun. The last few times you've guest hosted here, you've been talking about this coming up, coming up. It's good to see you finally closed on it. You know, you're not just talk, Scott. You're not um, just talk. Uh, it was all talk for a while. Now it's, uh, now it's come true. Now it's really happening. So, so cool. All right. Well, what's the current vacancy on that? I mean, is it full? Is it empty? Three of them are rented out. 800, okay. 800 and 725. I'm going to try to rent out this new opening for 875 and we'll go, go from there. Think you can get that rent any higher? I think that the 875 is pretty reasonable. I think it's maybe because you said mentioned that I'll try for 925, but you should do it. I'm going to push you for that. Now, how about water sewer garbage? You paint it, they paint it. So right now I'm paying for all of that stuff. Uh, the units are separately metered. So, but I am going to start moving. The idea is over the course of the next two years, raise the rents to 875 a piece and introduce a $75 utility fee to kind of cover some of those expenses. Cause that's pretty, that's not unheard of in our area. Yep. That'll increase cash flow by $600. You multiply yeah. $75 rent increase and $75 expense reduction and times four units. 600 times 12 is $7,200 a year at a 10, let's say uh, well, you're, you're way lower than that divided by a, I don't know, how about a seven cap? I don't know. What are you guys paying there? Let's say seven. That's an yeah. extra $102,000 in value you could add to that thing. Granted, it's a residential property, so it's not quite calculated that way, but close enough. I think I think it's a solid layup and I'll continue. Hopefully it'll be a, a, a nice place to manage, get some great tenants in there and keep keep going with the portfolio. Another one next year. There you go. Very cool. Well, I think today's show was really cool. I think for both of us, because the guy whose story today is exactly what both of us are doing. Just he's a few years further along. Like he bought a bunch of properties and did traded them up over time to more and more and more. Now he's gotten almost a hundred units. It's awesome. Yep. He got, had a great opportunity, went all in on it and yep. reaped the rewards and is just doing it in a really savvy, intelligent way. And he's, I mean, he's a teacher. He's not like, you know, he's not a nuclear scientist here making, you know, you know, seven figures. I mean, this guy's like a teacher at a school in one of the most expensive markets in the country, yet he's still able to do this. So you guys are going to hear how he did that. And he's a busy, active teacher that's yes. doing this all on the side. Yes. So. Like he, he has multiple jobs and he's got hobbies and all this stuff. So again, if you guys are struggling with like how to get started, if you're in an expensive market, this show is for you. If you're you know trying to figure out how do you scale up your business, you're going to learn a ton here. So anyway, hang tight for that. But before we get to that, let's get to today's quick tip. tip. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Today's quick tip. Why don't you take today's quick tip, Scott Trench? All right. Well, today's quick tip is you can actually follow 
forum threads that you're interested in the Bigger Pockets forums. So, for example, one of the uh, topics we discuss later on today is what strategies do you use to find the right property manager? And that happens to be a forum topic right now. Yes, if you go to the Bigger Pockets and see that forum in your forum feed, you can click follow and you'll get an email or a notification on Bigger Pockets every time that's updated. And that is a great idea. So when there's things that you're interested in hearing how more people do things, because I mean, let's be honest, right? Real estate is not about this is how it's done. This is how it's done, right? Like it's, it's so much perspective and Hey, this worked well for me. This didn't work for me. And so by following threads, you kind of stay up to date on uh, what other people are doing over time. So love that feature. One of my favorites was a one on LLCs. Should I invest in LLC? And you have people Mm, chiming in on both sides of that. It's one that I follow. Yep. Very, very cool. All right. Well, that is today's Quick tip and uh, quick, quick tip. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Are you about to sell a property? Wait like 60 seconds because this could save you thousands. Our friends at 1031 Pros have saved their clients more than half a billion dollars, with a B, in taxes with 1031 tax-deferred exchanges. With the 1031 exchange, you can say goodbye to the huge capital gains taxes when selling and roll your property's profit into another investment that could make you even more. Whether you're an individual investor, part of a larger group, or a title or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help. Trust me, I've done 1031 exchanges on multiple properties before, and it has saved me tens of thousands in taxes, if not more. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and they specialize in all types of exchanges, delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states. And right now, BiggerPockets listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com bp. That's my1031pros.com slash bp to get $250 off today. Oh, and make sure to mention BiggerPockets when you call. They take care of our people over there. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. 
Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. To honor our listeners today, Scott Trench has prepared a spoken word five-minute poem. Go. Whoa. <laughs> this this was not in the description here. <laughs> All right. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> but- right. Yeah, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, let's hear yours. You're going right after me, right? I don't, I don't, I, you know, I we'll forgot. stretch the order. I, I forgot my spoken word <laughs> poem, but uh, I, I think we're just going to bring in the guests because that's what people are here for. So let's just bring in our guest today. Uh, Michael Swanee Swan is a real estate investor who lives in San Diego and he is a uh, Fantastic. He's a teacher and he's got nearly a hundred units. In fact, by the time this episode airs, he should be up to over a hundred. I think is what he said. I think that's right. Anyway, so you guys will hear it here. And uh, without further ado, let's bring him in. All right, Michael, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, how are you guys doing? We are doing fantastic. How about you, Scott? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's been another beautiful day here. I just closed in a quadplex. Things hey, are going, things are going great. <laughs> Congratulations. But you know what, Scott? We're not here to talk about you. It's always about you. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know what to do about that. We're, we're here to talk about Michael or we're here to talk about called Swanee. Swanee, Swanee. So how, where'd that nickname come from? Just cause you're, is that your last name? Uh, my last name is Swan. Swan. And so uh, back in the sports days, everybody called me Swanee and seemed to, seemed to, to catch on. All right. Well, Swanee, you, you did sports apparently, but I'm guessing after yes. that you did something else. So let's talk about how you got into real estate investing. Where'd that come from? Yeah, so in 2011, um, I'm, I'm a parochial school teacher. I also teach uh, as an adjunct professor at uh, Miramar College, a small little college here, community college in San Diego. And in 2011, most people that you see that are investing and want to change their, their life, they have some kind of economic crisis. And so I kind of felt like I was going to lose ten to $12,000. And as a parochial school teacher, I could not afford to lose $12,000. And so I realized that my financial ladder was leaning on the wrong building. I was depending on parochial schools, the state for my financial future. And I realized I needed to take control. And in San Diego, it was a perfect place to do so. And uh, so we started to invest in little condos in San Diego and uh, helped us to become financially free after trading them in through the power of the 1031 exchange. Nice. Nice. I want to talk about all that stuff. Yes. So I've got two quick questions here with, with, with that. First of all, what subject and grade do you teach? I teach kindergarten through eighth grade PE, and I teach reading. I have a master's of education in the area of curriculum instruction in the area of reading, and I have a PE degree also, and I have a multiple subjects credential where I can teach in any kindergarten through eighth grade classroom. Plus, plus I teach at Miramar College reading and study skills for the entering college students. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem, Michael. Swanee, people who make... You know, teachers can't invest in real estate because you have to be rich to invest in real estate. So I'm going to shut the show down right now because this just can't happen, right? That's what everyone, like, you have to be (laughs) loaded rich, you know, to be able to invest in real estate. You you know what? You know what? That's a big thing. When people reach out and talk to me at Bigger Pockets, they say, oh, I can't afford that. I can't do what you did. And I say, you know what? I made 80,000 combined family W-2 earned income living in San Diego 
living in San Diego. And if I'm able to do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. That's awesome. So that, that's so, what I'm excited to dig into. So, so how did you do it? What, how did you get started? How'd you buy that first yeah, place um, yeah, on, so, that, so, on that income? So when, when, when I did have that perceived, it, it didn't actually occur, but that perceived financial catastrophe, I guess, I thought I was going to lose 12,000 income in one year. And I, as you know, I didn't make very much. Yeah. And I thought that would, was very difficult. I decided I have some friends in real estate, brokers uh, that I went to high school with. And I went to their office and said, you know, what do you think about investing in San Diego real estate in 2011? How about a little, you know, single family? And they said, you know what, Swanee, this is the best time ever in San Diego. You can cash flow on your properties. And so I said, Really? Okay. So what do you got for me? So he found me a little one bedroom, one bath condo for $135,000. We put, we put 20% down on this little condo, right? And it was cash flowing after all expenses, after reserve funds, everything, $333 a month. So I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> and so we only put, we only put 25% down. And so you're going you're, you're, you're gonna to start to really um, go crazy here now. I decided that for each one of these little condos, I'm going to trade in these stupid IRAs, stupid money that I was putting in these IRAs, and I was going to pay the stupid penalty, which was the 10% penalty for investing them in the first place. And so what I did was I just took out maybe 15 20% more or 30% more and then what the down payment was on it, right? And so – we did them one little condo at a time. So I figured, okay, this real estate agent gives me small little one bedroom, one bath, the cash flow is $333 a month. I think I can do better. So I just went a little bit east, maybe 20 minutes east of, of my house here in uh, San Diego. I'm about 10 minutes away from La Jolla, if you know where that is in San Diego, California. Uh, most people call it La Jala. If you don't know, it's La Jolla. It's La Jolla. And, and, so, and so I just said, I'm gonna go about like, 20 minutes southeast of where I live in another middle-class neighborhood. And I was finding two bedroom, one baths for about the same price. And I was finding three bedroom, two baths for about the same price. And so those were cash flowing at not just $333 a month. Those were $400, $500, $600 a month in San Diego. The people wow. say you can't invest in San Diego. And so the people thought I was... Uh, there's something wrong with me. Why would you invest in real estate when it's so low? The market will never come back, they told me. And I said, you know what? I'm doing it for cash flow. I want cash flow. My rules are it must cash flow. It can't lose money, right? And so that's all I knew right there. I was just trying to get cash flow every month coming in, and it worked. So we had 10 condos we purchased over the course of 2011, 2012. From anywhere from ninety-three thousand to one hundred and fifty-two thousand, with twenty to twenty-five percent down payments. Cool. Again, refinanced my house, took the money out for that too. Arbitrage like the banks trying to, you know, make more. You know, the, same with the the IRAs. Cashed all those things in one at a time. So I have no money in the stock market at this moment. Nothing in the stock market. It is all in my properties. Okay, so a couple of questions on that. First of all, we've had people on the show before who've said condos are great. And we've had some people who said 
Never do condos. They're horrible. In fact, Josh, who's normally the host here, of course, uh, but he's off gallivanting across the west of the U.S. Yeah. Uh, right now. Living the life. Living the life in his RV. Uh, but <laughs> Josh is one that bought a lot of condos back in the day, or bought condos and, and hates them now. He's like the anti-condo guy. So what what has been your experience now that you've done this for a number of years now? Like, do you recommend condos? Do you say stay away from them? Overall, what do you think? It is it is dependent on your area. Here in San Diego, you know, we were looking at single family, not condos, and straight. We we noticed that the condos at that at that time, after HOA fees, were making more per door uh, cash flow than us investing in uh, single family, which would have been more like, you know, that wouldn't have been a ninety three to a hundred and you know fifty two thousand dollars. It would have been a lot more and a lot more percent down, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, uh, and of course in San Diego, we are an anomaly, California, West coast, it's, it's an anomaly. And so they appreciate it. So what happened was cash flows coming in, cash flows coming in $50,000 a year on these 10 condos doing great. And then it appreciated and it appreciated vastly. We're talking, they appreciated double what I purchased them for. Right. And so not, then I had to say, wait a second here. I've lived in San Diego since 78, 1978. And I know that they're starting to give, they're starting to give loans to morons again. They're starting to give loans to people, <laughs> to people that don't have much money. And so they're lowering the, the credit. Yep. They're talking about, they're talking about, you know, Dodd-Frank doing away with Dodd-Frank. And, and for, for you to be able to afford these mortgages and these expensive homes, you are going to have to have enough money, right? You're going to have to have money, make enough money. And I know that something is, is not right. And this is going to happen again. It's going to happen again. So that worried me quite a bit is that I had, you know, 1.6 million in equity now after I don't know, two, three years of owning these condos that, that worried me a little bit. Right. And it's a good problem. It's not a good problem to have guys. It's a good problem. It is a good problem. <laughs> <laughs> again, San Diego is an anomaly, you know, West coast is an anomaly. So then I started to, you know, do more reading as a reading teacher, I decided to do more reading, research as to what do people do? What do the Trumps of the world do? Uh, what do they do when they have all this equity? What do they do with that equity? And then I found out about the power of the 1031 exchange. And I found out that you can trade in your property for something the same value or greater value and not pay any taxes. You will defer your taxes. I don't want to say tax-free. Don't ever say tax-free. I will defer my taxes. Just like all the cash flow I was collecting on these properties, those depreciation, all that stuff, we are deferring our taxes. That's what's amazing about real estate. It's just amazing. So when you have bigger pockets, we love talking about formula terms, right? Yep. Formula. We like to talk about formula. So if you, if you talk about a 1031 exchange, right? And when you add plus an emerging market plus the true multifamily, multifamily business model <laughs> that equals amazing financial freedom. That equals amazing financial freedom. Because what I did was all I did, I'll just give you a typical example. All right. I took in 2012, I bought a condo for $120,000, right? I sold it in two. 2015, on the sale, we cleared about $144,000. Remember, I only put down, I only put down like 20, 
25% down on that little condo, right? And then, so we cleared out about $144,000. We had about 90,000 left on the loan, right? And then it was cash flowing about $450 a month, right? So about for the year, cash flow is about $5,000 a year. That's pretty good, right? Sure. Right? You guys like that? No, that's pretty good. Yeah, so so then what we did was we traded that single family condo. And of course, with the condos, you're at the mercy of HOA fees, right? Yep. So the HOA fees can go up. They rarely go down. I did have one that went dramatically down, believe it or not. But you're at, the, you're at the mercy of the HOAs also, and you can't really do much about that. So what we did is we traded it in for a 15-unit apartment complex in Paintsville, Ohio. It's a wow. little suburb. It's a little suburb, about 30 to 40 minutes um, east on Lake, by Lake Erie um, uh, from Cleveland. Okay. And that 144000 went directly into that complex. And we saw the opportunity that, that we could trade in that $5,000 cash flow for 20000 to possibly, this is just amazing, I just get goosebumps for this, to possibly <laughs> 30000 30, cash flow, right? And we purchased that little 15-unit apartment complex for $590,000 with 25% down. Remember, we only put down 25% on that little San Diego condo, right? Right? Okay. So that little condo cash flowed about $15,000 total over three years of ownership, right? Tax deferred with fix up. Maybe we put in about 40 grand, right? Okay. So we put in about 40 grand in that, in that condo. Plus it appreciated over 100% in three years. So think about what that return, you know, 300%, 400% return over that time. Right. And so that apartment complex now cash flow is about $24,000 for me, right? $24,000 in cash flow. That's what it is right now. And let's see, the, the cash flow is to rise, you know, to 30,000 a year is pretty soon. Right now it's at 24,000. It's going to rise to about, um, you know, 30,000, you know, pretty soon on that condo, right? And that apartment complex. Yep. Now, if we would have done a straight sale, let's just, let's just, because people here, we really want to know, you know, what's the difference? If we would have done a straight sale on that little condo, on that 144000 we would have paid 50000 in taxes. Yeah. Because, right, right, right. You, what do we have? We have our 28000 for our taxes, plus the recapture. You have to pay back yep. 25% of your depreciation. It would have been about $50,000 for that one little, one little, condo, yep. right? Does that make sense, guys? Yes. Yep. And sorry that I was reading that part right there, but I wanted to make sure that I got it right for you, that I actually got it right for you exactly what happened, right? So through the power of the 1031 exchange on one, one condo, you know, that's amazing, going from 5000 cash flow to $24,000 cash flow right now. Yep. That's fantastic. Yep. So, so there's a, so much here that I want to dive into because this is a fantastic story. It sounds like you spotted a market opportunity in 2011. You you basically sold the farm. You got rid of all of these. It sounds like a, a lifetime of accumulated assets in terms of equity in your home, 401k plans, retirement savings, all that stuff. And then you put them into these condos during this market opportunity. You realize this a ton of appreciation. And now you're 1031 exchanging out of those properties into a, into more cash flow, which is yes. kind of the reverse of how most people think about it, right? Most people are like, Oh, I want yes. the cash flow first. Yes. And then once I get to a certain point, then I'm going to go to that. So could you, could we start at the beginning there? And could you, you know, <laughs> could you walk me through what it was like to liquidate your lifetime savings for this in, in, in order to pursue this kind of this market opportunity you spotted now, in 2011? Now, 
That's a great question. Remember, mm -hmm. a lot of people that talk to me about, they're really scared, like that is too risky. And I, mm -hmm. I tell them, the stock market to me is very risky. I can, whatever company it is, I have no determination on if they make money. And I feel like the stock market was much more risky. I went, at that time, I went through a 10-year period. I'm going to be 52 in August, but I went through a 10-year period where my where I was putting 6,000, I didn't make that much. I was putting $6,000 a year into those IRAs and into that myth that's not real to create financial freedom. And I was putting that money into that, into that uh, religiously every year, right? And it was the same value. I was trying to play like I could, I was really good at this. And so I can, I could take, um, I can do small cap and figure out my mutual fund and mid cap and large cap international. And I, I thought I knew what I was doing. Right? I, I used to do the same thing. Used to do the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so, but of course I, I, I basically, I, the value was the same 10 years for a 10 year period. The value was the same in, in 10 years. So who was making the money? I wasn't making the money. Financial planners that made less than me, 60000 is the average what an uh, average financial planner makes per year. And I'm, I'm trying to get advice from them, them to manage my money. So, And then, I, then of course, I did the, the calculation. You guys, have you guys done that before? If you have a million dollars at retirement, what, is the financial, what do the financial planners tell you you can take per year and not outlive your money by 88? Do you know how much that is, percent? No. I want to say six or seven percent. Is that what no, they say? No, no, three point five percent is what they say now. So that's the safe withdrawal rate, but isn't? Oh yeah, yeah. No, three point five. So you don't outlive your money by eighty-eight, right? You take three point five percent. So if you have a million dollars, what is three point five percent of a million dollars, guys? Thirty-five grand. Yeah, so I'm gonna live in San Diego. I'm gonna pay taxes on that for 35 grand, right? 35 grand, and then, but then, guess what the financial planners say? Guess what? You'll be in a lower tax bracket, so it'll be okay then. Oh, I agree. Like, <laughs> okay, so so what you're telling me, what you're telling me, guys, is I'm going to be poor. Yeah. I'm gonna be before the poverty, below the poverty line in San Diego, and and everything will be okay. Yeah, you'll be in a lower tax lower tax bracket. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> think about that. Think about that. Yeah. Think about if you had 2 million, if you're a high wage earner and you had 2 million, guess what that would be? 70,000. Yeah, yeah. And you have to pay taxes on that per year. And, and then you're going to live your dreams. Now you're in a high tax bracket, right? <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to say is it's a myth. It wasn't, yeah. it, it, the government wants us to keep doing this. So it's a myth. Whereas in six years I, I have, you know, it's going to be 6 million here this next month in total, wow. total property. I'm going to have 2.5 million in equity net worth after six years of investing in real estate, plus, plus $120,000 a year in tax deferred cash flow, soon to be 160,000 by October. Wow. So, so at the time you were making this decision to go into real estate, was it, was it more, was it, more a, a, hey, this is a really good time in the marketplace for me to pull all this money out? Or was it more, I don't like the fact that this is in, that, that my money is in these funds that are just not going to achieve a significant financial result? I, Which, think, it's, I think it was the perfect storm. Great question again, Scott. Mm -hmm. I think it's the perfect storm, perfect storm because I had the financial, perceived financial catastrophe in my mind that was going, that could happen. And then I noticed that these properties here in San Diego which haven't done before are cash flowing pretty well for us to be able to buy these properties. And I was managing all 10 of those condos and learning how to do it the proper way. Of course, as a teacher, 
reading everything I get my hands on, on how you manage properties properly, how you know everything, vetting, tenants, whole nine yards. So I learned along the way how to do that properly. And it was a great, great time, obviously. So by vetting, by checking their credit, checking their past landlords, doing due diligence, you know, when you own your property and you're managing it and you're learning along the way, you know, I would go and visit them at their their previous addresses to see if they're really there. I would I would do all kinds of stuff just to make sure I'm getting a tenant that can pay the rent. Although we cannot plan for everything. So you got to make sure you have reserves for Murphy's law because yeah. people will get divorced. You know, people will get sick. People will lose their jobs, right? So you have to have enough reserves to be able to take care of that. And a lot of people with bigger pockets that call me, they don't have enough reserves. You know, I basically tell them, if you have a single family property, you need $10,000 in reserves. And they almost choke and they don't believe me at all. But when Murphy's Law happens, when something happens, when a roof blows off, not in San Diego, but it, when, that, when something happens, <laughs> when something happens, you, you need to have that money in reserves, right? Okay, so sorry, Scott, I went, I digressed again. I went off into another area. So oh, that's a great point. You know, you get, you get, you lose your shirt if you don't have the cash reserves and it comes back down to basic personal finance, having a strong personal financial position. So, yes. So I want to go into like the transition. So first question I have is you bought all these condos at a great time in the market and then yes. you were able to double the value of those properties. What do you say to people who say, uh, Swanee, he's just got lucky. He's yeah, got I, lucky. Oh, another great, Brandon, that's a phenomenal question. I hear it all <laughs> the time. I heard it all the Because remember, they said I was crazy that I invested it in yep. the first place, right? And now, they, now they're telling me I'm crazy that I 1031 exchange to another market in the Midwest that in Cleveland area that, that, that you're never going to have appreciation. That was going to be my next you question, know, so I want to go there. You're never going to have yeah. appreciation, and that's, and that's wrong. And multi, if you really study the multifamily business model, <laughs> appreciation is based on a whole different model than comp. So we'll, we'll go, we'll go to that anyway. But, um, so they said I was crazy when I was buying. Now they say I'm crazy when I'm selling 1031 exchanging that, that property. So, so Brandon, to, to answer your question, you hear a lot of sayings, you hear a lot of quotes from people, but uh, you know that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. We all know that, that luck is when, especially when what we do here in real estate, it's when, you know, opportunity meets you being prepared. Yep. So me as a teacher, that was perfect also, is that I love reading. I love learning about nonfiction specifically. Yep. I love learning about real things. And I love teaching people how to read about and understand, truly deeply understand nonfiction, you know, textbooks. It's supposed to be dry reading. I'm teaching them how to actively become engaged with reading boring textbooks. And so I was very excited about reading and learning about everything. Like I told you about what do people do with a lot of equity? What do they do with a lot of equity in their property? You, you know, we refinance, we refinance or we 1031 exchange, yep. right? Those are our two choices instead of a straight sale because then we have to pay those taxes I just spoke of earlier, right? So we defer our taxes. We defer our taxes. So that's basically um, what I tell them when it, it's, it's lucky. It, yes, I did get lucky in the way that it appreciated vastly, but yeah. I've lived in San Diego since 1978, and I've seen this story. It's a repeated story. It's a common story that's going to occur. And to be honest, I didn't think about appreciation when I first started. I yeah. thought about cash, cash flow. flow. Yeah, I love that. And, and this is something Scott, Scott here, Trench, has been – you know, a yes. big proponent of for a while is like buy yes. in areas, like don't buy negative cash flowing property, but 
buy in areas where they have the greatest chance of appreciation happening. You know, so you'll at least get cash flow, yes. but then yes. you have a good chance yes. of getting more than that. Is that a yes, fair but, assessment? But, yes. Yeah. I no, Scott, do you want to add that? Talk about that? No, that's exactly what I'm doing. I, I, I look, I'm buying here in Denver because I, I think there's lots of cities around the country that have great potential. Denver is one of them. And I feel like, Hey, if, as long as I get cash flow, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's stable mm-hmm. in 10, 20, 30 years, I'm going to look back and be glad I was, I was here in this market over time. Yes. Yes. But I want you to make sure that you mm-hmm. do a return on your equity. I, I mean, I want you to do a, a formula, you know, cause I, I realized that I would, that I had 50,000 in cash flow come in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had 1.6 million in equity in all of my real estates. So basically I took the, you know, your cash flow divided by your equity. I found out I was getting 3% return on my equity. Yeah. Yep. That was not acceptable to me. That was not acceptable for me to get 3% return on my equity. And then of course, people on bigger pockets, when I talk about this, they talk about other things like, yeah, but all these other factors and, and you're in San Diego. So, you know, the, the appreciation may, I know it's up near its peak. You know, I, I tell them, I say my little three bedroom, one bath house in Mira Mesa, like I said, 10 minutes from La Jolla is worth $500,000 right now. You walk outside the, the front door, get to the garage. It's a two car garage, 1,040 square feet. And it's up to five hundred thousand dollars now for this thing. You got to think that, you know, the last time the the real estate market went down, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I know we don't invest in real estate, but I think we should sell this because it was up at five hundred thousand dollars. I think we should sell this because it's tax free. It's tax free. You know, I only had one hundred fifty-two thousand on the loan, and I purchased it for one fifty-two, so it was less than that. And so I could, the loan was a lot less than that. So so we could sell this. And we could rent, we could rent for quite a while. And then when people come to their senses or this, this whole market, cause it wasn't real, it wasn't real, you know, stated only loans, all that stuff. It wasn't real. And so uh, we could have bought two of the, two of the same size houses if we wanted to. But of course, tra- traditional, the American dream, you got to buy your own house, mm-hmm. got to buy your own house. You got to have the American dream. You'll, you know what? This house could be a million dollars someday. That's what they were saying. Why would you get, why would you want to get out? And so I'm going, okay, I'm not going to get out. And so, and so I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. So now I use that equity that went up to buy more and to create financial freedom. Will you kick yourself three years from now when that house, you know, or your, your condo, which was maybe worth 250 is now worth 400. Will you kick yourself or will you still say, you know what? I made the best decision on the information I had. Okay. So, so again, let, let's do some, let's do some real soul searching here. Let's say we do have an opportunity for, for it to go up another 25%. Sure. Again, we're going to go over the peaks, the highest ever it's been, ever, ever, ever it's been, right? And uh, you need jobs, right? We need jobs. We need jobs to, to be able to afford this, or they're going to ease those standards, right? And then we're going we're gonna to have another, it's going to happen quicker if they ease those standards for lending. So I have a chance of going up 25%. I think I have a better chance of it going down. 30, 40, 50% or more. And I can 1031 exchange this for what, everyone? Cash flow. <laughs> cash flow, not just cash flow, because we need to move now to the multifamily business model to see really, as I told you, 1031 exchange plus uh, an emerging market plus true multifamily properties, which is five units or more. Of course, I think more than like 10 units or more equals amazing financial freedom. That's where we need to talk about the difference between 
you know, multi, true multifamily and single family because single family, you're at the mercy of comps. Yep. And that, that scares me. That scares me. Me too. Yeah. So, so I think that this is kind of touching on a, like a, but it's not that complicated, but it's somewhat complicated concept that comes in with real estate investing and leverage. When uh-huh. you are leveraged to start with your investment, let's say you buy that $100,000 home with a $25,000 down payment and it goes up 10%, that's 10 grand. That's what, 40% return on your down payment. Yes. As you deleverage though, you know, the property doubles to 200 yes. grand. Yes. Well, that same appreciation is much less impactful in your financial position. Which is the problem you're running into, the problem that I'm starting, you know, it's a good problem. This is the kind of problem that everybody, that we want everyone yes. to have at some point. You, know, you yes. buy a place that has good prospects and things go well, you manage the property reasonably, you know, stay conservative. Yes. But you, you have this property with a lot of equity and now it's time to make a decision. Do I want to accept that 3% return on my equity in terms of cash flow? Uh-huh. Or am I going to re-leverage and redeploy it more fe- more efficiently? And assume more risk. You know, yes. I have, I have, yes. I have, I'm now taking on more debt and go into a, a new market or or new property within the same market. And I think that that's a very, very intelligent way to go about it, and a, and a decision that most real estate investors will face at some point if they're in this for the long term. Yes. So. I, now I can go to Vegas. You, you guys, we can go to Vegas and we can gamble with our money if we want to, right? Ooh. We do. I do. I, I do that sometimes. I go to Vegas and gamble. I don't want to gamble with this money. I, I, I you got to again, the song, you got to know when to hold, know when to <laughs> fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. And so I, you got to go with your gut sometimes and, and get education. Again, preparation meets opportunity is what people say. Luck, preparation meets opportunity. You got to prepare yourself and make sure that, that you use that equity properly and know when to get out, when not to get out. And, um, and I, of course moving, uh, I, I wanted to get away from single family as soon as I possibly could due to the, the comp comps situation. And imagine, imagine, imagine Brandon, you got, if you, if you had a hundred single family, you'd have a hundred roofs, you'd have a hundred mortgages. I mean, economies of scale, you know, sooner or later, Sooner or later, you want to be able to, you know, increase your economies of scale. So can we, can you talk about the comp issue for, and I totally agree with the economies of scale thing, but I want to go back to the comp thing because people listen to this <laughs> night, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean, you know, why, why good, are houses good. comp things and why are good. multifamilies not? Can you talk about that? Very good question. So, so Brandon, you live where again? I live in Podunk, Washington. <laughs> you live in Washington. Washington okay, so, so your house is valued at approximately how much money? 200 and well, I'll say 300,000, 300,000. Okay. So in your neighborhood, I want to make sure we explain comps properly in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, let's say that four other houses are sold the same floor plan. And guess what? They only got 180,000 for that. That's, that's what, that's how much they're going for 180,000. But you put, guess what you put, you put in granite countertops. Yours is so much nicer. How much is the value of your property? If the others, other, others sold for 180,000. Right. About 180,000. Correct. So you're at, you're at the mercy of comps. Whereas the multi, the true multifamily business model does not work that way. My bank says that if I increase the NOI by $1, it's worth $10 more than I purchased it. That's the big primary difference. I have the control as to what my apartment complex is valued at. I have the control. And NOI means what? NOI means total money coming in, total money coming in, gross income, minus your expenses. Now here, 
listen carefully, not including your debt service, not including your debt service, your loan, not including fixed CapEx expenses. So that means, that means if I decide to replace a toilet, if I decide to replace flooring, if I decide to replace windows, those are fixed expenses, roofing. Those are fixed expenses, cabinets. Those are fixed expenses. And guess what? They do not go against my expenses. So when you take over an apartment complex, like I told you about that 15-unit apartment complex, and you should be taking over these apartment complexes for owners that are burnt out, for owners that are living on site, for owners that have not raised the rent in a long time and you're in a, a solid C-class neighborhood, and they haven't raised the rents a long time. And they're, well, this owner, this owner of this particular complex that I purchased for, uh, that I, I told you about that with $144,000 down, that particular owner felt it disconcerting to have a laundry room, she told me. She said, you know, I find it disconcerting to have a laundry room right next to my unit because I bought this property with my husband 15 years ago and my husband died. And so I decided to move into the complex and I decided I was going to run this property myself. And she's 80 some years old and she's ready to get out. And so she decided to make that laundry room. She decided to turn the hookups around into her unit because it was right next door because she found it disconcerting for people to walk by her unit to do laundry. So she turned the hookups into her own unit nice. and she made them go out to do their own laundry. And then she had a little maintenance guy turn that into a maintenance room. And then she had a little maintenance guy that was rigging rigging all the units instead of replacing things. Like I told you, they were trying to fix the inside of toilets. They were trying to, and these are high flush toilets. Why would you want that if you're playing the water and just all kinds of things that, that she was doing that she thought she's doing the right thing. Like on a single family, you would think it would be the right thing to do because you're not paying for water to just replace the inside of the toilets. Right? No, no, no. I say do a high efficiency, low flush toilet for $300, including installation because I, it doesn't go against my expenses. Yep. And, and, the, and the tenant thinks, that, oh, wow, you gave me a brand new toilet. That's <laughs> great. That's great. You gave, me, you, you gave me floor and you gave me all this stuff. That's great. That's how you do it. So just to kind of back into how we got here and summarize what, 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 where we started. In 2011, you got into real estate by liquidating your kind of personal financial position and going in and seizing a market opportunity. You benefited tremendously from the form of appreciation. And now you're taking out those gains because you're deleveraging and, you, and you're, you're skeptical of continued success the way you've had it. And you're moving into middle, Midwestern markets, mm -hmm. uh, into commercial properties where mm -hmm. you, where, and, and now it seems you believe that you can increase the value of these properties and increase cash flow by operating these very e efficiently. Right. So my, yeah. my questions, my questions here are, how are you finding these types of deals and why are you interested in these markets? Another, another great question. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I advise everybody, everybody that, to make sure that anybody you meet, doesn't matter what they look like, what they talk like, uh, what they act like, make sure you make connections with everybody. Because I was just teaching at, at an parochial school and I, and I was talking to one of my colleagues and she said, you know what, I was, I was born and raised in this little uh, Euclid, Ohio area and then we kind of moved out to mentor and uh, I'm kind of trying to revitalize the area and I, I'm buying little properties over there. And she was telling me what she was buying them for. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And of course, I already have my condos here in San Diego. And, and I said, that's very interesting. And, and she goes, we moved out to mentor the area. 
mentor Ohio and the area changed a little bit. So we moved like 15 minutes east from there. And my mom and my stepdad, they do property management and they own some properties and they manage my properties. And so I said, you know what? Uh, why don't you give me their contact information and your, your little family realtors information? And I found out that I could get little condos in, in the Euclid, I mean, not condos, a uh, single family and duplexes in Euclid, Ohio for each door, maybe 30,000 all in after fix up, after fix up. But of course, you couldn't get loans for these. So I said, OK, I'll buy a, I'll buy a little duplex. So I bought a little duplex. Paid sixty thousand all in with fix up that rents for about thirteen hundred and fifty dollars a month, and that was in two thousand fourteen. And we've had in that little duplex, we've had zero vacancies since we bought it, and and it's, it's worked out very well for us that little duplex. And then we bought little little half duplexes in the same area, and one single family, and so they were cash flowing pretty well. You know, like thirty thirty five hundred dollars cash flow per month for, but of course we paid cash, $240,000 cash for those, for those properties. And we're like, we're going to run out of cash. So that's not, you know, and then I found out about the 1031 exchange and I figured, you know what, if this little, if this little um, property management company can handle my little single family and they have over 60 single family, maybe they can handle a little eight unit, 10 unit, 12 unit, 15 unit. And there has been some growing pains, obviously, because it's a whole different model from single family business model to multifamily business model. So there has been some growing pains, but I've been, you know, uh, grooming the property manager along the way. Cool. So let's talk about the property manager thing a little bit. So like, do you have any recommendations on like, how do, how do you find that perfect property manager? You know, again, great question. Again, that's what you, you get in bigger pockets. That's what I get on bigger pockets. People reaching out to me all the time, wanting my property manager, wanting to know, you know, all these property managers are insufficient basically for what they're asking. And so then I ask them some questions and I ask them one question would be like, what's the problem? Well, what's the problem with your property manager? If they tell me, if they tell me, well, you know what, there's a little thermocoupler in their, in the furnace or the whatever. And uh, they're charging me $120 to replace the thermocoupler. I'm saying, I'm looking at them like, that's what the problem is. That's, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. That's a, that's, that's okay. Price. That's fine. That those are not big issues to worry about. Or, or we have to replace a furnace we have to replace a furnace and they want to charge a thousand dollars, but I think they can get it for $800 somewhere else. And again, I say, you know, that to me, that's not really an issue. That's not really an issue. Those are not the real issues. The real issues are how do you keep your tenants in your, in your unit? What do you do for them when they have a, uh, uh, sign a new lease? Do you, do you wash their carpets for them? Do you give them a new uh, ceiling fan? Do you, do you, do you treat your great customers with like their royalty? Cause it, it, once you get a good, a good tenant in there, you want to keep them in there. You, you want to treat them like royalty. You don't, you don't want to treat them like a nuisance. And so some of the property managers, again, a lot of them in these small little communities, they, they started as rehab guys. They started as fixing up their own units during the last crash. And then they kind of fell into it. They had their own properties and family, friends and that kind of thing. And they fell into the property management, just like, 
just like landlords, accidental landlords, when they when they when they get houses and then they have to move because of a job and they rent things out, they kind of fell into it. So they don't know the best practices sure. and how to do it right. And so, um, so to answer their question, that they need to make sure that they vet these people properly, the property management companies, and um, create a relationship with them. And there's no easy answer, Brandon. I don't know about you. Yeah. Scott, I don't know about you. There's no easy answer on single family because the big boys, they don't, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say boys. Um, the big <laughs> outfits, the big outfits don't want to touch small little things like that. They want, you know, 50, hundred units minimum, the big outfits that are very professional. Right. And so most of these mom and pop property managers started in a different way. And so, um, I, I don't have any easy answers for them except for asking those questions of how do you keep those great tenants in there yeah. and how do you get new tenants? So, so me, I'm, I'm kind of amped. As you can tell, I'm very amped. I, I'm a <laughs> teacher. I teach all the time. I teach in the evening and then I do this. So the way I do it is with my property manager. Here's what I do. And everybody on here will love this. If you're doing single family, if you're doing multifamily, you'll love this. A lot of them don't like these little mom and pops. They don't like Craigslist. They like to do Zillow. They like to do a sign and they like to do Zillow, which goes out to hot pads and all that kind of stuff. Right. What I do is I have eight. You're going to tell everybody, obviously, but I have eight. <laughs> I have, I have eight ads with different pictures, different headings, depending on the clients that I want. And I press a button every two hours if I have a vacancy. And, it, and guess what? My property manager gets the phone call. And so I do that every two hours with any of my vacancies, every two hours. And then when he complains, he says, hey, I'm supposed to be doing the ads. I was like, well, you rent out the places and I won't <laughs> be doing this. And, and so he basically gets those calls. He gets annoyed by the calls, but he rents them out. We have incredible low vacancy in my apartment complexes and my single family there. So I have zero vacancies out of 85 front doors in this, in this area in, in, in Cleveland I have right now. Zero vacancies out of eight. Knock on wood. I, I'm going to knock this time. Eight, <laughs> again, again, eight, eight, 85 front doors and zero vacancies. That's a strategy I've That's not heard before about you doing like – as the owner, you running ads and then just putting the phone number in for the property manager. That's, that's it's kind fantastic. of a different, it's kind of a, and you know what I do? And just to let you know for Craigslist, I put on the very bottom of my Craigslist ads, I just scroll way down and I put all the surrounding communities on, under, I put medical, I put hospital, I put everything that they're known for. So that when somebody's searching, yep. when somebody's searching and they're in a community that's close, that may be a little bit more expensive, they'll say, oh, I can live in this community for a lot less. And so- uh, again, that's why a property manager doesn't like those calls, but I don't care. That's another, that's another good tip. I, lo <laughs> I love that. I, I really like that a lot because that's to totally true. Like the problem I've had with property managers is exactly what you said. They like the one push button to, to Zillow because like they probably are using Appfolio to manage the software. Yep. You know, software yep. And Appfolio has a nice plug that plugs the Zillow or hot pads and that's yes. it. But like Craigslist, nah, you know, maybe they'll get around to it. Maybe they won't or they'll do it once a week or, you know, maybe yes. every month a month. Yes. Yeah, I love the idea of being the ones that, that pushes. I'm totally stealing that idea. I love that. I'm, I'm telling you every two hours, I'm not kidding. If I have vacancies <laughs> every, every two hours, it goes to the top. You know that it yep. goes to the top. Yep. Yeah, and and so, yep. so I just press a button. And so let's say it's all kind of like a little bit in the country. I have one ad that says, are you a little country? And then and it'll have whatever. Cause, cause the, maybe the country people, people that are more country would like that. Or if it's more of a, a more hip type of thing, uh, maybe I'll use like some slang in there to try to get <laughs> some attention, some attention to, uh, to, to, um, do yeah. that or, you know, 
just anything to draw attention and the new pictures, of course, new pictures of, of, of what I have there. Uh, so that way it's a different different front picture that they see every time, every two hours. And, and you just, no property manager is going to treat your property the way yep. you want it treated. And so when people call me about certain things, I, I let them know. If you're getting $1,000 rent, that property manager is getting $100 a month. How hard are they going to work for 100 bucks? Come on. Yep. Yeah, not very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one, and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. So yep. let's talk about like, you said 85 units total now, You've got, is that what you said? 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a hundred I'm gonna have a hundred and nine in the next thirty days because I'm trading in. Here's here's the latest trade. It's my last one. I don't, I have no I'll have no more rental properties in San Diego. I purchased a property, a two bedroom, one bath for one hundred and nineteen thousand dollars in two thousand eleven, and now. I had a bidding war, of course, as soon as I put it on the markets, because I already had a property identified for my 1031 exchange. Like I said, if you have a 1031 exchange plus an emerging market, plus true multifamily properties, amazing financial freedom, you know, in formula terms. So basically we had a bidding war on the little condo. I already had a 24 units already negotiated. Again, that's another piece of advice I would give you is make sure you have a property that you're negotiating on uh, in contract before you, you do a 1031 exchange. Make sure that you have it just about under contract or under contract before you start to sell your property that you want a 1031 exchange. And so so that one is 280,000. So the final, I listed it at 265 and then if the final uh, offer I accepted was $280,000, 17 day closing, appraisal. It's, uh, they're waiving the appraisal um, also, uh, the, the whole thing. So we have a bidding situation here in San Diego. And so we're taking that $280,000, uh, it won't be 280,000 because I have 80,000 left on the loan plus the closing costs and everything. We'll probably have $180,000 that we're putting into a 24 unit that will cash flow right out of the gate anywhere from 24 to $27,000 a year. That's but fantastic. that little condo, that little condo was only cash flowing about $5,000 a year. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I have a question about your kind of your thought process here. You mentioned earlier that, yeah, that's not a problem if the, the water heater is 800 versus $1,000. You know, those aren't the pro- type of problem. The problem is having tenants into the property. When you bought this first place, the first, when you bought the first, the first units, were you thinking differently? Did you have a, a different view of these expenses? You mean, did you, you did mean, you I'm sorry, Scott. Do you mean the do you mean the little condo, the first little one bedroom, one bath condo I purchased in San Diego? Yeah, when you first started. Yeah, with- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so again, again, I may be a little different because I'm a teacher, and so I did a lot of research and reading as the best practices. I uh, attended workshops. I read a lot of books on how you do this properly. So I had a lot of book smarts and, um, and, uh, here's another, another thing that I follow by. I do not take advice from someone that has less than me. So like, so like financial planners and things like that, I don't take advice from people that haven't gone down that road already because there's so many people on bigger pockets and, and in this, and in, in this world, that will tell you that doesn't work. You know, I, I, I rented out a place to somebody and da, 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 or my, my cousin rents out and they, they, it was awful and da, 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 and they just didn't do it right. So you're going to go by somebody that didn't do it right. That was an accidental <laughs> landlord. And you're going to go by what they're saying. So I may be a little bit different in that respect. So I took a little one bedroom, one bath, learned about all the proper procedures and how you vet the tenants, how you make sure that you check their credit, you make sure you check their past landlords, you do everything you possibly can to make sure you vet them and make sure they're a solid tenant for your property and a good fit in your, in your complex. Yeah, that, that, so that's how I did it basically. So I don't know if that answered your question, Scott. I guess my question is more, you know, now you have this big portfolio with 85 units. So a $200 expense is not a meaningful part of your cash flow or your situation, but was it at yeah. one time? And would you have thought, you know, I'm trying to help our, our listeners yeah, who maybe are just well, getting well, started or well, just have one or two units. Well, based, How should on, they think? 
based on research, based on research, you definitely want to just check into what the prices are, obviously, in that respect. But but when you're talking about $50, $100, $200 in that kind of thing, and then you have a property manager that saves you money in other ways, in, in, in different aspects, maybe maybe the property manager is taking $50 for that, charging a little bit more. And maybe the property manager is profiting $50 on that transaction. I'm not worried about, again, I'm not worried about little little deals like that. I'm worried about that. I got months without my place rented. I'm worried yep. about, I'm worried about, you know, the, the big things in that respect. Cause mm-hmm. remember uh, if they're doing it for a hundred bucks a month or my little, my little, uh, you know, half duplexes there in, in Euclid, if they're doing it for the rent is like $800, they're getting what? 75 bucks a month. Yeah. I mean, if they make a 50 bucks on a, on a, furnace or something. I, you know what I mean? I, I, I think that's not, I don't want to sweat the big stuff unless you, unless you notice something really big happening. Yeah. You know, my, my little mom and pop property manager, all he has rights to is to deposit my, uh, my money for these apartment complexes into the bank. If he wants to bill me for something, then he sends me a bill and I'll, and I'll pay him the bill. That's what I do for the smaller types of units we're talking about. As I get bigger, I'm going to have all service, you know, the bigger companies, obviously doing these, yeah. the 24 unit that I have right now is starting with a, a bigger company that does everything, pays all the bills, everything, mortgage, the whole, the whole nine yards in that respect, because that's where you want to move eventually as you get bigger. You don't want to have more work on your hands. You want to have less work on your hands as the, as the property owner. Well, now, that you've, sense. now that you've done both the smaller units, you know, the condos, the single families, now you're getting to the bigger ones. Do you recommend that people start with the larger ones and just skip the smaller stuff. So it depends on how much money they have to start with. If if you got a hundred thousand, if you got a hundred thousand or more, and most people do. I mean, the people that talk to me on bigger pockets, they got lots of money. They got lots of money. They make two times that my W two earned income of eighty yeah. eighty thousand or more, and they say they don't have any money. They say they don't have any money, and I don't know if they're keeping up with the Joneses. I I go through like Dave Ramsey and go through their yeah. finances with them, and and I say, really, you you really need to have that thousand dollars in car payments? Do you really need to have yeah. all those things, the country club and all that stuff? Do you really need all that stuff right now? Um, because I tell them, like Dave Ramsey says, live like no one now, so you can live like no one later. Yeah. And so and and so if they have a hundred thousand or more. What I would do, what I would do is I would find someone that's been doing this for years upon years upon years, exactly what I'm talking about, multifamily, and I would join, uh, invest where, where I can get more experience, invest with someone that's been doing it well first. Yep. Because my, because my first, and you're probably going to ask me about it, my first two 1031 exchanges, uh, the owners lied, the brokers lied, you know, they sold me a bill of goods that was not correct. And so- uh, those are the first two ones I'm going to want to sell. So, so I have six apartment complexes. Four of them are working perfectly the way that I've studied, researched, and two of them that I thought were yield plays, they did not turn out to be yield plays. Well, let's talk about that then. I mean, what is yeah, it about yeah. those two deals? Like, what should we look out for? I mean, I'm about to do a 1031 exchange into a larger property as well soon. Yes. And but what do you mean by larger? Explain to me well, larger. What does that mean? So I got an offer on my 24 unit. And I'm going to be selling that. I'll have a couple hundred thousand dollars to put into something larger. So I'm looking probably in the million dollar range. Going to go buy something. Good. So Good. Now, now remember, remember, if you have a loan of a million or more, then you can get those, those, uh, those better loan 
terms, obviously yep. those, uh, yes, those, those are pretty and, good, but you gotta have to have a million or more. As and I gotta, I well, know. I gotta partner with another few hundred grand to put in something. So, you know, we've got four or $500,000 yeah. to put in something. So like, I don't want to yeah. make a mistake on this big project. I don't want to be sold yeah. to bill of goods. What do I do? Like, what did you do yeah. wrong? Yeah. So again, again, I went through training, I went through education and I still got snookered. I still, got, I still got uh, duped. And so the first uh, one that I traded a 1031 exchange, I took a hundred thousand dollars from a 1031 exchange and put this into this uh, 10 unit, 10 unit, 10,000 square foot, supposedly fully rented, supposedly fully rented apartment complex. I really thought that having five tenants in the same family renting five different units would have a community feel to it. But basically the owners put people in there that were not qualified. And so as soon as we took over the property, uh, there were a lot of problems, a lot of issues, and we had to do some evictions and get some people out and um, just a comedy of errors, a comedy of errors that occurred. And it was not a yield play. It turned into an area that I wasn't really excited about. And so that'll be the one of the first properties that I sell. So that was one one situation that was a mistake that I made. So, so how do you how do you prevent that issue? I think the only way you prevent that issue, because I did it through the school of hard knocks, obviously, and I tried to get as much education as I could. The only way you prevent that issue is to make sure that you get in a deal with someone that's already been successful, that's already done this, that knows what pitfalls to look for when you're doing this. Um, the brokers, as I said, the brokers lie. The the owners lie. They're just trying to pad it to make sure it looks like the NOI is what it is, and it is not. And so what I do now, the ones that I really look for, I really prefer, are the ones I told you about, that 15-unit. I only went a half a block down the road, and I found out that they were charging $125 a month more for the same product, or even, to me, it was a little inferior product. And so I knew that it didn't matter what she said, didn't matter what she said, I, or what the broker said, I knew that in the, in the course of a two to three year period, I can raise those rents up at least a hundred dollars yep. and, um, and increase the NOI yield plays are a little bit, um, more difficult to determine if it's a true yield play. Then the next one that the second one, I made a mistake on, do you have any questions about that one? Uh, one question. Well, one, I was going to say, I think you're hit, hit the nail on the head there. Verify. Don't believe necessarily what they what they say, you know, do, do your own homework. Uh, but what is, what is a yield play? Can you define that? Yeah. A yield play is supposed to be right out of the, right out of the box. As soon as you buy it, it's supposed to be cash flowing a certain amount per month as advertised by what the financial said and what you've discovered in your financial due diligence, mm -hmm. what you discovered, but people can hide. They can seriously, people can, can pad the, the books and they can, they can hide that. You could have a lot of physical occupancy, 100% physical occupancy, but there could be people that weren't paying and the owner was just putting that towards that to make it look like they are paying. And so it, it's a very difficult thing to, to, um, to, catch, to catch with that one. The second one, and so we've been doing a lot of, we've owned that one now for, for approximately two years, the one I just, just talked about, and we've kind of stabilized that property and um, it's doing better. It's doing better now. And, but, um, but I do want to sell it because to me, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels with that property and uh, I want to put my, my, 
my attention somewhere else, even if I break sure. even or, or lose money in that property. It's just they're, they're all individual businesses, right? And so the second mistake that I made was it, I thought it was a terrific deal. It was an eight unit in a very nice area of Shaker Heights, Ohio. You got to be very careful. Some of these areas have incredible real, high real estate taxes in those areas, and they're called commercial real estate taxes, not residential. So if you do an apartment complex, you have to look at the commercial real estate taxes. And so in Shaker Heights, this particular community, you know, you're talking 6% uh, real estate taxes. And so wow. that can really hurt you. And so I thought, it was, again, I made a mistake of I thought those were residential tax rates because there is residential, there is apartment complex. So I thought, then yep. this would be residential because of people living there, residential. But no, those are commercial tax rates. And so that was a mistake that I made. Also, during the first year, the roof, actually half of it blew off. Oh. So we had 60 mile per hour winds there and the roof, half of it blew off. And so we had a $5,000 deductible okay, yep. for the roof. But then all those deductibles and those kind of things, like people talk, oh, insurance will cover everything. Then the nickel and dime you, nickel and dime you. Yeah. It ended up being about twelve thousand out of our pocket by the time we were done, you know, because you first have to have the immediate repair, like right when when it blows off. You know, you're in the snow in the winter, and you got intrusion of water and of whatever else you can think of, right? And so you got to have the uh, the original repair. Then you have the work done, and if you don't do it right, right? If you don't do it right, you don't submit that right away then you're paying that out of pocket. So again, as I said, it came out to be like, instead of 5,000 out of pocket, it was like 12,000 out of pocket. And then of course, when we bought that property, again, the owners lied. Here's a, here's a fun one. And we're doing, we're going through the property and I should have realized it during the property inspection. During the property inspection, we're going through the property inspection and I'm feeling, I always go to the property inspections to make sure I, I know what I'm getting. I'm starting to smell this odor, this odor. I'm smelling this odor and it, smells like sewage. You know, I asked the property manager, can you have your um, little guy here? Because <laughs> I got to go in the crawl space. Can you have him go underneath this place and figure out what's this smell from? <laughs> and so they had bleach bottles. They had bleach bottles in the crawl space around the sewer stacks. They had cracks in the sewer stacks and they had bleach oh, bottles. Man. So they were trying, they were trying to mask the smell oh, with bleach. Yeah. And so I said, you know, we're not buying this until they fix this. And so they did a, uh, it delayed the sale, but they did actually fix that. So I should have realized right there that the owner was trying to hide something from yeah. me at, at that point, And there was more hidden. And so as soon as we bought the property, there were two or three uh, out of, out of eight of uh, just uh, vacancies just, just happened to come out. As soon as we took over the property, three of the units became, became vacant. Right. Yep. And so you're like, oh, that's great. That's yep. great. And then we thought that would be a, a yield play also, a yield deal. Uh, but we didn't expect to have five out of eight <laughs> rented when we took over the property. So so those are some horror stories. And I don't know how you prevent all, everything I was telling you there. But I, I do find the property manager, again, it was the owner's the property manager of these places. I do find that people that have real property management companies, when I when I when I actually research these properties, it's easier to verify everything because the property management companies, especially the bigger ones, they have um, 
they have they have checks and balances. You know, yeah. they have they have different people. They have one person leasing. They have one person doing collections. They have one person doing bookkeeping. They have another person doing this and another person doing that. So they kind of keep the and one person overseeing. So they keep the checks and balances in order. So that's a good way also well, is, good. To, is to have a take over a property that's professionally managed. Yeah, that's a good tip I never really thought of before or heard anybody else say, but when you're buying a property, if it's self-managed, you need to do much more due diligence and there's more risk than a property that's already being professionally managed simply because of the fudging of the numbers. I never thought of that before. Yes, yes. And of course, if, if you know, if you know half a block down the road that they're charging $125 more per month yeah. rent, doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter what they say on their financials, yeah. you know, that you're going to be able to, and if the banks appraise it, like my, if my bank appraises it at a certain value and I know that I'm going to increase the NOI because I'm going to increase the rents 125 bucks over the course of three years, a unit, that's, that's exponential how much the value is. Then of course you got, you got a few options, right? After year three, four, five, you take all that money out, refinance, all the money you invested, you refinance. And then what's your return from then on? If you took all the money out, you invested infinite. What's your return for that? It's infinite. It's infinite. Yeah. But sometimes you, you may not want to do that because it's an older property. So you may have roofs you have to replace furnaces. You have to replace all those big capex you may have to replace again. And so you may want to choose to 1031 exchange for a larger property yeah. uh, without the, the money you've increased the value of the property. Great. Great. So last question here before we move on to the fire round. Um, how do you how do you manage your time? Like while you're working a full-time job, you're still, yeah, still yeah. teaching, right? Yes. That's what people tell me all the time. You know, and I enjoy it. I mean, I, I really enjoy reading. I really enjoy learning. I'm a teacher, a, a lifelong learner. And um, I also play, uh, you know, hockey a few times a week. And um, I'm very active. I'm a very active type of person in general. And so people always tell me, I don't have any time. I don't, I don't have time to do this and I, like, okay, I work 60 hours a week, if you include grading papers and everything. I work 60 hours a week, and uh, I also play hockey a few times a week, um, enjoy time with my family. So if I'm able to do it with 60 hours a week, um, how come you can't do it with 40 yeah. hours a week? Yeah, that's a good that's question. It. That's it. I mean, you know, this is you fun for me. This is, yeah. this is fun for me. This is just, this is just enjoyment for me. What, what I'm talking to you about right now, this is just enjoyment. I'm is a teacher. A teacher at heart. There's a quote by Jim Rohn, who we talked about him last week on the uh -huh. podcast, but he says, like, yeah. if you truly want something, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. And I really like that. Correct. A lot. Correct. Correct. Whatever the mind can conceive and believe it will achieve. You probably know yep. who said that one. Napoleon Hill. If right? I know who said Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it will achieve. Another one that I use with my students, because I, I, I'm, I'm doing beginning college students first year and, uh, you know, they don't know how to find topics, main ideas and details and paragraphs when they're reading. They don't even know what a topic is. What And so I got to back up the truck. And it's a lot of motivation. I tell them, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change right before your eyes. So it's our paradigms. It's the way we, we were brought up. You know, yeah. uh, Albert Einstein said reality is merely an illusion, <laughs> albeit it's a very persistent one. It's always in our face all the time. I had it in our face all the time. He didn't say that. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I love it. I love, I love all those quotes. I'm a big quote guy. So yeah, I'm glad yeah. you are as well. You're a reader. I can tell. So <laughs> all right, well, let's, uh, let's shift gears here a little bit and jump over to the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right, 
let's get to the fire round. These questions are directly out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which of course our users can go hang out in, ask questions anytime, day or night, 24-7 by going to biggerpockets.com slash forums. Question number one. Hey, BP community. I'm just curious about when you're purchasing an apartment building, what you look for in terms of bedrooms. I prefer two bedroom units and a small percentage of one bedrooms. Studios are not my favorite. A little more difficulty renting them. But what's your favorite? What do you like? Oh, man. It depends on the area. It depends on the area and what uh, what what sells in that area. It depends on if you're going for Section 8 complexes or if you're going for whatever your strategy is with that complex. Two-bedroom, one-baths are probably a, a sweet spot. Two-bedroom, two-baths are probably a, a sweet spot for your generic. If you want to go generic-wise, that's probably a, a, a sweet spot for that, I would say. It's nice to have a few mixture of one-bedroom, one-baths. Uh, Three-bedroom, two-baths um, are good, although you're going to have a lot more fix-up when somebody moves out. And uh, I've noticed that kids cause more damage. Families cause more damage than pets. A lot of people don't want to offer pets in their complex, but I charge $25 pet rent per month. And so that increases the NOI right there. All right. Awesome. I like it. So next question here is pretty relevant. I'm trying to get started in real estate investing, but I'm afraid that prices are too high again in Southern California, San Diego in particular. Should I wait for prices to drop? Yes. Yes. You should definitely wait for prices to drop. If I have three rules or two rules that I'll tell you about. Number one, it must cash flow. Number two, it can't lose money. You're buying at the peak now or close to the peak and you're not going to cash flow unless you want to go to somewhere you want to go collect with a flak jacket your rent. I think that's fair. I like it. All right. Uh, next question. I like this. I've never thought about this before. Is a skunk in the yard my responsibility? The tenant thinks I'm responsible to pay to trap a skunk that's bothering them by hanging out, stinking up the yard, and messing with our cat. Seems like a stretch I saw to me. That one. Yeah, but I the saw wife it. says, "Yeah, we're responsible." What do you think? I saw that one. I saw a <laughs> bigger fire. I saw that one. I thought, but, I, I, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, so, what do you um, I have no idea. Says so the skunk is hiding somewhere on their property, the, yep. and it's stinking up the place. Again, earlier I told you, you, if this is a good tenant, you need to treat them like royalty. You need to get that skunk out of there. You need to, to, to take care of your, your tenant and give them everything they want because they are helping you to become financially free. All right. I like it. I think it's a great answer. <laughs> I'm wondering if I should stick with – so this person works a job that is not – relevant to real estate investing, but wants to get into real estate investing. And they're, they're saying, I'm wondering if I should stick with my current restaurant manager job while I get into small multi-unit investments, or would it be worthwhile to pursue a job in property management or another aspect of the business? Yeah, I think I, I think I saw that one too. I, I'm, I'm lurking on there all the time. So um, <laughs> yes, you need to keep your job. You need, you need to make a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. You need to stop. You need to stop investing in your 401k IRA, you need to take money and put it into your financial freedom account for your real estate and do not quit your job because you, you will not get a loan. You will not get a loan. You need a job. You need to be, you need to replace all of your W2 earned income, maybe double your W2 after tax W2 earned income, uh, then quit your job. Right. I, I love it. I, th I, I think it's like, it's remarkable how people have this plan of like, oh, I'm going to get into real estate investing. I make like a 50K plus job and I'm just going to go and quit and then go go to invest. Banks are not going to lend to you if you don't have a job for the most part. So that's not really a very effective plan to begin, to begin going in there. So if you're going to change careers and understand it's going to be a two or three year window 
um, before yeah, you can get lunch. Unless, unless you have a, unless you have a partner, mm-hmm. unless you have a partner that has a, a good paying job, has a good yep. paying job, and then you can partner with them and use, have them be on the loans. Um, and that's fine. That's a good thing to do. I mean, a lot of these properties, you know, I went in with my, my wife, my mom and my dad, they're on fixed income. And, and so when you, when you put two different finances together, um, and your assets together, you can get more loans. Yep. Yep. That's true. Cool. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up with our world famous. Famous four. All right. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week, and we're going to throw them at you right now. Number one, Swanee, what is your favorite real estate, specifically real estate related book? Okay. Hey, you're probably not going to be happy with me, but I got, <laughs> you're talking about just, re- just real estate, right? Just real estate. Yep. Yeah. So just real estate, my all time, I got two books, but my all time favorite for what I'm doing right now. I've read all of them out there. I'm telling you, <laughs> um, the one that I love the best is multifamily millions David by Lindahl? David Lindahl. Fantastic my, book. I follow a lot of that from that book. So if you read from that book, all, it's golden nuggets. You don't have to pay anything. You know, a lot of times they'll say, Oh yeah, but they got bad ratings on their website and everything else. I don't care. I'm reading their book and I'm following the strategies that they're using um, to increase the NOI. So that one is amazing. And I I have to add one more, which is um, Loopholes of Real Estate. Loopholes of Real Estate by Garrett Sutton. Garrett Sutton. That's um, Robert Kiyosaki's personal advisor, tax advisor. Loopholes of Real Estate. That really helped me with the 1031 exchange because I I, I 1031 exchange my way to financial freedom here and it's going to keep going, you know, down the line. That's awesome. So that's my, those are my two favorite real estate books. All right. Awesome. What's your, what's your favorite business book? There are three that were really instrumental to me. First one was, um, the seven habits of highly effective people. That was when I read, I'm old, I'm old. I'm going to be 52 in August. And so I read that a long time ago and it's very important. I, I try to teach my uh, students that, that you, you need to be proactive. You know, we, a lot of times people are blaming into the blame game and reactive and they're not proactive, you know, begin with the end in mind, your goals, you know, and, and then start with first things first. There's so many distractions. So that, that was a, that was a key book, which was, um, uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. And then I read rich dad, poor dad. And you, you hear this all the time though, but that's very important to be able to make your money work for you and not work for money. That was very important lesson that I heard that I had there, uh, rich dad, poor dad. And then I read like eight times, they can grow, grow rich by Napoleon Hill. And I still just loved, I eat that thing up, eat that. I'm, I'm having a little trouble with the trans, the uh, sexual mutation or whatever they have there in that part <laughs> of the book. It is a part of the book that tells us that you got to be like a, a, a physical stud and you got to be having like this sexual tension all the time to oh, really, <laughs> to really, um, to, to really, um, to, to really get all you want. You have to have like that sexual tension, like, you know, that kind of thing. I'm having a little trouble with that part of it, but it's, it's a, it's an amazing, it's a, it's, a, it's an amazing book with, uh, you know, uh, life altering uh, book. If you really relate it to yourself and you get the main idea, which is whatever the mind, you know, can conceive and believe it will achieve. And that means negative too. If you think negative, you're going to have negative yeah. things happen. No, yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah. Love it. All right. Next question. Trench. 
What are your hobbies? What do you for fun besides uh, uh, hockey there? Yeah, that was that was what I was going to say. Sorry, I, I told you earlier. <laughs> um, I, I'm a hockey player and a uh, baseball from when I was younger and um, even played some football. But um, hockey, hockey, I play two times a week, play against the kids. I'm 52 years old. Um, I'm getting a little slower, but uh, still still competing out there with them. And I, I love playing hockey. Um coached my son in hockey he was a hockey goalie goalies are a little bit strange but um my son mikey i want to make sure i give him a plug here my son mikey um, and my wife elizabeth uh swan make sure i give him a plug on here um and so i love i love hockey love hockey uh, you know and they've bared with my hockey obviously all these years my family um and then reading reading is very important uh, especially nonfiction areas that i can improve in my life and uh, help others to uh, I, I can't really motivate them, but make, you know, deep down inside for them to bring it out inside of them, um, that they can do it, you know, that they can do it. So motivational types of, uh, books I read. Um, what else? I can't think of anything else except for, I, I really think this real estate is a hobby and a love and teaching, teaching, obviously I'm a lifelong teacher. Yeah. That's awesome. Is uh, mighty ducks your favorite movie? <laughs> my favorite movie uh if you're talking about hockey movie it has to be Slapshot. you guys are not very old i've not but, seen um, it but Slap, i know of it Slapshot with yeah you need to see Slapshot. uh you need you need to see that one uh, but that's one of my favorite hockey movies of all time my ducks is as i said i'm older so that one's more like my kid and then yeah. that kind of thing. So Mighty Ducks yeah, was, so, my, uh, was my jam. Yeah, man, that yeah, movie. yeah. I, I, grew, Mighty Ducks. I grew up in Minnesota. So like it was like it yeah. took place in the, oh, it was oh, so good. Yeah, one, two, and three, all of them. Yeah, big, big hockey. hockey. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. from Illinois. I'm ah, from so Illinois. Originally, so, so yeah. You get it. You get it. All right. Yeah. Number, number four, last question of the famous four. Swanee, what do you think sets apart successful investors from all those who give up, they fail, or they never get started? I'm also a big uh, Grant Cardone um, uh, fan also. And, um, you know, basically I get from him that, that people have a lot of fear, um, you know, false evidence appearing real. They have a lot of fear. And, um, if you, if you prepare, if you base things on cash flow, if you base things on not losing money and you do it right, then you're more than likely going to have success. Um, and so people that I've noticed, um, you know, especially where I live, they're speculating, they're speculating that prices will continue to rise. To me, that's like the stock market. And so uh, I don't like to do things based on just speculation. I mean, you can't give everything, get everything under your control. But I think that uh, people are afraid because of what they've had in the past, their parents, what happened to their parents, their family, their relatives, their friends, when they were getting these interest only loans and um, stated only loans and the, uh, the loans came due and, and the, the lenders told them that they could just refinance, but uh, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and so they're really afraid. They're really afraid. And they think the stock market is safer than what we are doing. It's true. Well, I don't awesome. know if it's true, but it's true that people think that. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Where well, can we find out more about you? Oh yeah. So <laughs> I would just go to my bigger pockets profile. I got, believe it or not, I got my phone number on there, guys. This is my cell number right here. My cell, they can call me. And <laughs> I know you guys have said, watch out, watch out. Your phone's going to blow yeah. off the hook. Um, you know, we are, we're definitely starting to think we already have one 
close friends that are partners with us on our latest 21 unit. And we are going to do more partnering and uh, look into syndication too, because well, the more experience we have with this and the more that, it, that we make it work, uh, I can help to make other people financially free also. That's awesome. the same concept. Yep. I love it. I love it. Well, Michael, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for your, your story. I love the story of just going from one property to two to 10 to bigger and up to a hundred now. So uh, just that trading up yeah. concept is so powerful. So well done. Oh, oh I got, I got to put my goals out here for everybody. Right. My goals, right. My goals right now are to have 750,000 in cash flow. My goals are to have over 50, five, zero million in real estate. And my goals are to have over 15 million in net worth. Those are my goals, what my deadline? current goals. Uh, and the, and the hard thing about it is the deadline is um, a lot of people have deadlines, but I see that these deadlines are taking a little bit longer and my deadline to get where I am right now took a little bit longer than I thought. So um, just to be 10 years would be a, a good goal. All right. All right. We're holding awesome. you to it. We're going to have you back here in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Michael, That's thank great. you so much. This is a lot of fun and we'll see you around. You guys are awesome. Thank you for what you do. And thank you. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye. All right, big thanks to our guest, Mike, Michael Swanee Swan. That's a long name. <laughs> uh, our guest today on the Bigger Pockets podcast. That was pretty awesome, huh? What do you think, Scott? I thought it was great. I thought, I thought this was something, you know, we, we, got, we got from the story of how, how a teacher who had managed a strong personal financial position, doing all the things you're quote unquote should do yep. while you're uh, with your money, and then said, nope, that's not for me, liquidated everything. And pounced on a market opportunity and has been reaping the rewards ever since. Been hustling, ed- self-educating, doing it everything right, looking for new opportunities and and uh, building up the cash flow and the equity. Yeah, and you know one thing we didn't talk about in the show, and I probably should have mentioned it then, but I'll say it now, is like he didn't just jump into the stuff like you know I think real estate sounds like a good idea. I think I'll buy a couple properties. You know, it was like he like you said he self-studied. He he was very meticulous. You can tell in in his research and his. When he was talking about managing tenants, he doesn't just throw in tenants. Like he researched what's the best way to manage them. You know, mm-hmm. so like if you want to succeed at something, like learn, you know, like do it, do it. Swanee did. Figure the stuff out, learn, and, and you're going to do awesome. And you don't have to take all that action all at once. Yep. You can just, hey, get started with with, uh, with the baby step and scale up as, as the time goes on. There you go. There so. you go. Well, thank you, Scott Trench, for being a wonderful host today. This was a lot of fun. And uh, congrats on your fourplex. Am, am I the host or are you? Oh, I guess, you I'm, are I guess the I'm the host. Today. Yeah, you are the guest host today. We kind of go right. back and forth. So thank you for being a good guest host. It's pretty similar. So. Pretty, pretty much. Well, thank you for being my co-host. Anytime, Scott Trench. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And you guys have a fantastic week. Happy investing for Bigger Pockets podcast. This is Scott Trench and Brandon Turner. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. Simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. It's time for it's time for it's time for the random five. All right, we got one last segment of the show here that we like to throw into the end here called our Random Six. Random Six. I think we have a sound effects there somewhere. It used to be the Random Five, whatever. <laughs> All right, so these questions are just random questions to get to know you a little bit better here. Swanee, number one. What, uh, what's your favorite card game? Favorite card game would have... 
have to be spades. All right. I have not played that in a long, long time, but I did what? <laughs> All right. Next one. What would you rather work for the FBI or NASA? Yeah, I'm not so much of a sci-fi guy. So um, I think of uh, NASA more sci-fi. So I would say FBI. Nice. All right. Uh, next one. Uh, TV show. What are you watching? My favorite TV show? Sure. Oh, God. I love Ray Donovan. Have you ever, ever seen that on Showtime, Ray Donovan? Yeah, no, I love those gangster. Out. I love those gangster type of movies, yeah. All right, cool. All right. Did any of your childhood friends and acquaintances become famous? Any of my childhood friends become famous. So if we're talking famous on uh, all I could think of, the, the, the most famous person, there's a couple of famous people that I knew, knew of and played against. And um, David Wells, pitcher, uh, he, he pitched against me. And uh, Chris Chilios played in San Diego at the San Diego Ice Arena. He was a professional ice hockey player. Real famous-wise, I'd say those count. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah we'll uh, professional yeah. athletes D- didn't really didn't really know them, but played played against them or stuff like that. I, I count it. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you were in prison for the next twenty years, you got sent to prison for twenty years. I like to give that number, and then you had the opportunity to escape in year one. Would you take the chance to escape? Okay. Let's say 50-50 chance. You guys are very interested. Yes. You got a 50-50 chance of success. And if you get it, you're free. Okay. So I'm going to jail for 20 years. Yeah. But if you don't get it, then you're stuck there for life. We're going to say that. It's a risk. Oh, for life. Mm. It's 20 years. But if you get caught on your escape, you have to stay for life. But if you get out, you get out 20 years. So do you sacrifice? Do you take that gamble? Or or you just get another few years, but you're a fugitive once you're escaped. (laughs) Yeah, wow, wow. Um, I'm kind of a goody two-shoes, so as long as I wasn't getting abused too badly, I'd probably stay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Trench, last question. What is one very surprising fact about you that no one knows? A surprising fact about me that nobody knows? I don't know. How about, very few, knows, how about very few people know? <laughs> very few people know. Very few people know. Well, a, a basic feature, physical feature that I've never seen anybody else have, and I'm going to have to show you here, is there's an actual. I have an actual muscle right here. Oh, you do. So look at your oh, look wow. at your wrist. Look at your wrist, guys, and then <laughs> do this, and then and and you're going to see a little muscle here that, you know, I thought it was a tumor or something when I was a kid. I was like, Doc, what's the matter with me? And he said, Just, just, it's just a muscle that nobody else has. Well, if you guys want to see that, go check out the YouTube video version of this. If you're listening to this podcast, you can see uh, Swanee's weirdness on his hand. (laughs) All right. Thank you. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and BAM! 
instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.